0: Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. My name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark. uh, And I'm very pleased to be joined today by Ken Harbaugh. Now, Ken is a former U.S. Navy pilot uh, who's writing on civil military affairs, has appeared in The Atlantic, The New York Times, a little website called The Bulwark, uh, and the Yale Journal of International Law. He served as commentator for All Things Considered on National Public Radio, hosted Crooked Media's Reclaiming Patriotism and uh, currently host the podcast Warriors in Their Own Words, um, as well as the award-winning podcast and YouTube series Burn the Boats. Uh, But we have Ken here today to talk about a new documentary, uh, Against All Enemies, which uh, is is debuted at Tribeca, Um, got a really good response there. Uh, We're going to talk about that movie and what uh, kind of inspired him to to produce it, uh, as well as uh, just the business of documentary making in general uh ken thanks for being on the show today really appreciate it hey thanks sonny great to be here so all right so let's uh first let's just set the stage let folks know what the what the movie is about uh against all enemies is a documentary about the um the the state of uh i I, i'll let you describe it i i don't want to put words in your mouth describe describe what's going on in this documentary so folks know what they're getting into
1: yeah well let me tell you how it all began uh like many people i watched the January 6th insurrection in horror and was even more appalled in the, in the following days and weeks to learn that so many of my fellow vets were involved. And if you lump in those who served in, in law enforcement, <clears throat> um, I mean, the, the numbers were just really alarming. And I reached out to some buddies to figure out, you know, what the heck is going on. And the more I dived into organizations, like the Oath Keepers, like the Three Percenters, like the Proud Boys that specifically target and recruit veterans, the more I realized we were we were on the cusp of something truly dangerous. And the film, even though it takes January 6th as its jumping off point, I think the scariest thing about it is that it's not a film about January 6th, it's a film about what's to come, about this cadre of Highly trained high, highly experienced uh, military vets at the core of these organizations that is planning for the next one
0: and there's also there's a lot of history in this documentary as well I mean you you uh, get into kind of the um, the ways in which uh, conflicts lead to members of the military joining uh, uh, militias, other domestic organizations like that uh, and and how that How that training, but also the the loss of that sense of camaraderie that they had over um, overseas or in conflict. uh, You know, in in the civil in the case of the civil war, of course, here at home. Um, But also just uh, the sense of losing the country. Like they come home, they don't recognize what they see.
1: Yeah. Well, to understand where we're headed, we we really have to understand where we're coming from. And one of the most alarming insights in the film offered by the the professor kathleen Ballou, who literally wrote the book on this bring the war home is that membership in violent extremist organizations always spikes after america's foreign military misadventures it spiked after world war one where you saw a resurgence in clan membership after world war ii after the vietnam war the only thing we don't really know as a society is what happens to that statistic to that trend after the longest war in America's history. Uh, we know it's going to be bad, but we, we don't know how bad. We have absolutely seen the growth in that membership uh, of extremist organizations like the Three Percenters and, and Proud Boys. But there's going to be a very long tail to, to these conflicts. And you're absolutely right. So much of what is driving it is this sense of uh, betrayal, amongst military veterans, uh, this sense of a loss of, of purpose. And some of them, unfortunately, regain that or regain a simulacrum of it in these extremist organizations. And part of the call to action in the movie is to try to redirect these veterans into positive affirming organizations that can provide that sense of camaraderie and community without directing it towards violence.
0: I want to I want to drill down into that sense of betrayal a little more because this is a thing we we've covered in uh, at the bulwark. Some uh, Will Selber's written a bunch of pieces about this for us, but the, you know um, the the sense not only of you know uh, some some of some of them say you know we feel like we were lied into war, right? Some of them say you know we uh, we we weren't treated well when we came home, but others are saying you know like look, I feel I feel like we left our Afghan allies to, 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 you know, die at the hands of the Taliban. I feel like we, you know, did all this for nothing. How do you, how do you uh, kind of turn that around? I mean, that's, that's an, that's a, that's a much more difficult uh, nut to crack, I think.
1: It's an incredibly difficult nut to crack. And we begin that conversation with a, a case study. Of a Vietnam vet, Louis Beam, who tells a story in the film that is just harrowing about seeing one of his buddies die slowly, crushed in a in a vehicle in Vietnam, and you just get the sense, watching him recount this, that that he began to break at that moment. Now he went completely off the edge when he came back home. Uh, he helped resurrect uh, an incredibly violent iteration of the KKK. Became a leader of the Texas KKK. And all along, he talks about the betrayal that he felt upon returning home. I I see some of that happening now in the rhetoric of these organizations like the, the Three Percenters and Oath Keepers. And to your question about how do we arrest it, I think we have to find any number of entry points into that chain of... Um, of radicalization and divert people where we can. Maybe it's in their transition from out of the DOD. We need a better handoff from the DOD to the VA. We need to empower organizations that provide a positive sense of camaraderie and purpose, like Team Rubicon, a disaster relief organization that retrains military vets to be emergency responders. Um, there, There are others out there, but we have to offer these alternatives. We have to lift them up at the same time we have to expose the lies of the extremist organizations that are siphoning these vets off.
0: And that's that's really the heart of the documentary, I think. Um at least that uh, it's the thing that I am most struck by when I was watching it is that it's, you know, look, there's there there are uh lots of different ways to look at this. Um but one very specific and I think correct way to look at it is you have a bunch of people who uh, who committed their lives to serving their country. I, I think they mostly got in uh, to the military, to the police honorably. And then they are told, they are told by the the person who they voted for, who they supported, Donald Trump, uh, the election has been stolen from me. The democracy that you believed in is a lie. Uh, I There's no other way to stop this than through marching on the capitol or you know whatever you know stand stand back stand by i i the the root cause here you know the downstream issue as one of one of the 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 guests on your documentary uh notes is the culture how do you how do how how do we stop that part of it and I like I don't. I' asking this i don't think there is a good answer uh, because it's it is such a it's such a it is such a a horrible mess with a totally irresponsible person kind of at the at the start of it that I don't know what what to do here
1: well we have to acknowledge that it's not just the former president it's not just Donald Trump there is an entire ecosystem that propagates and amplifies that lie and builds on it and a lot of them are veterans and that is one of the thing the movie tries really hard to do is place the moral burden where it properly lays, which is on the, the Mike Flins and the J.D. Vances who agitate from a safe distance, of course, right? Josh Hawley is the prime example of this. He pumped his fist and then ran as fast as he could. And when I, when I think about the vets who were there on January 6th, what really strikes me is that so many of them honestly believe they were doing the right thing. They live in, a, in an alternate world of truth that has been constructed by liars who know better. The Flynn's, the Vance's, the Eric Greitens's of the world, obviously the former president himself. And I want to make sure that when we talk about moral culpability, obviously we need to, we need to lock up <laughs> those perpetrators who, uh, who broke the law and beat up cops on January 6th. But we cannot lose sight of the instigators Who, from a safe distance, created this mess and compelled their followers to acts of violence?
0: I, I mean, I, you know, watching Mike Flynn uh, uh, in the documentary was a reminder of just how far he has fallen. I I, like, I, I don't understand what happened to to Flynn. And listening to uh, you know General Stanley McChrystal talk about uh, you know uh, he Mike Flynn is my friend. I don't know what happened to him. Um, I, how how do we, we how do we uh, as 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 a society kind of try and turn people away from him? I mean, I, I don't know what, what is the what is the response here.
1: Well, great question. I don't think we can turn Mike Flynn. Just like I don't think we can we can recover or rehabilitate. Folks like J.D. Vance or or Eric Greitens, believe me, in in certain cases I have tried. I think we have to expose their lies at every opportunity. And we have to to make it really difficult for their followers to continue on that path. Now, that is hard to do at scale. It is really hard because of just how stovepiped media is these days. And, And you know those people are not listening to this show, more than likely but they might still be listening to their brother-in-law or their kids. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to having conversations with people you care about, people who might be on that path and pulling them aside and saying, you know, is this really worth it? Do you really buy all this craziness that Mike Flynn, let's just take one example is spewing about microchips under the skin and, and this, this kind of nonsense. And if, if you're asking about how we fix it, I think ultimately it's going to be those one-on-one conversations with with people you care about.
0: Uh I want to I want to uh drill down into the making of this documentary uh a bit because I I look it's this is um it's you you've got a lot of uh great big name guests including one uh Bill Crystal editor at large at the Bulwark. I, when I saw him on the screen, I did the uh the Leo points, you know, the meme, like I know I know that guy. Um, but, uh, but you know, lots, <laughs> lots of great guys, Stanley McChrystal, um, uh, all sorts of interesting folks, but you also talk to some of the, some of the, um, I, I don't, I don't know how to describe them exactly. Militia members, uh, participants in this, this sort of thing. Uh, you know, there's a, um, uh, you, you, you go, I forget the, the name of the, the guy you go down to his ranch in Texas and you know, he, we see him
1: general because,
0: E generally So he, uh, he's an interesting, he's a really interesting, he's maybe the most interesting guy in this whole thing for me, because you get to, you, you got good access to him. You got good time with him. How did you find him? How did you get him to go on camera and talk about what, what he was, what he's up to?
1: You know, one, one of the things you discover about people who are deep in this world is that they really believe in what they're doing. They really believe that they are fighting for the country, and just for context, I know most people will not have seen the film at at Tribeca, but generally, not not a general, he's a former army infantryman um, who is one of the leaders of the Texas militia and claims to be fighting for the Constitution uh, by, you know, arming himself to the freaking teeth and leading protests at, at Capitol buildings and those kinds of things. Um, and believes fully in the big lie and many of these conspiracy theories. <clears throat> but they're, in a way, um sincere, occasionally, endearingly sincere until you realize the implications of their conspiracy-laden beliefs. But many of them hold those beliefs so deeply that they want to talk about them. They want to share them. They believe they so firmly believe that they're in the right. That uh, that they want a chance to talk on camera, and it's it's striking how open many of them were with us.
0: When you uh, when you're putting together this documentary, is do you ever worry that you know we are providing these people a platform and a megaphone that uh, will will bring others to their cause? Because I'll I'll just state I'll just state my biases. I the documentaries I love the most are the ones that just let people talk. I like, I like to just let the crazies talk and, uh, it, hopefully the people watching will be able to sort out what's right and what's wrong. But I, I know that is not always the case. That is not, people are not very good at sorting out right and wrong. A lot of the time, um, when you, as you're, as you're putting it together, what is your, um, what is your, how do you balance that, that, that idea?
1: The, the short answer is yes, I worry about it constantly. Uh, it, is, it is an ever-present concern in how we're editing, how we're interviewing. A lot of that you don't see. That's all behind the scenes. But the balance comes in interspersing the voices of reason and sanity with those, those, those first-person accounts from people like General Lee where we let them just ramble, right? And you, you get a window into their thinking, into their worldview. But then we cut to someone like, Jason Crow, congressman from Colorado, who has just as much, I would argue, a lot more authority on these matters as a army ranger who did ninety combat missions, and then he gets to weigh in on some of what this so called General E is saying. And I think that provides more than enough balance and more than enough context and and ultimately a window to what's really true about the big lie and these other conspiracies.
0: I, let me let me reverse that question slightly and and ask, do you ever worry about uh, putting your thumb on the scale too much? Uh, like, do you worry about, you know, like, well, it, you know, if we if we have too many people saying that the these guys are nuts, then the, the nuts who are watching this are just going to be like, well, they're they're really they're really loading the the the, the questions here.
1: A little bit. We, we worry about that a little bit. But I, I think in terms of airtime, it's p- relatively. Evenly split, but the weight of the commentary from from people like Congressman Crow and Seth Moulton and Stan McChrystal and Denver Riggleman and you mentioned a few, you know, uh, Bill Crystal. I, I just think the film, without me having to put a finger on the scale, it delivers a pretty clear message that there is a right side of this argument and a wrong side of this argument. I'll let viewers decide for themselves. But I think the facts matter, and we we present them in, from a filmmaker's perspective, a relatively unbiased way. But I think they land incredibly heavily on the side of the truth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think anyone again, I don't think a reasonable person is going to watch this and come away from the documentary thinking like, you know, what I'm kind of interested in this Oath Keepers group. Uh, I'm gonna go go Google them and see what they're about. Uh, so you know, I it's again, it's it's very interesting, and uh, you you know, you mentioned watching January 6th happen and kind of uh, sitting back in horror. And that is uh, the, the same. I, 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 my, again, one of my favorite parts of this documentary is just listening to the, uh, the, the representatives and, and congressmen, now some former uh, Denver Riggleman, of course, got uh, primaried because he wasn't nearly crazy enough to be in the GOP anymore. Um, the, uh, just listening to them talk about you know, being in the House Chamber when the the doors were being stormed. You know, being being uh, essentially cut off from escape. It uh, it's it's kind of crazy. It's it, like it's crazy to think about how how far January sixth went and how much worse it could have been.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, and we cannot forget. I feel like there's this massive effort to whitewash that day, and even though the film isn't primarily about January 6th. I think the the more often we can remind people what really happened that day, uh the the better off we'll be, the more likely we'll be able to prevent the next one. But yeah, we talked to people who who were trapped. We talked to Congressman Crowe who was in the House galley, the one area that they couldn't evacuate, and he relates the story of the protesters on the other side of the barricades trying to break through and him calling his wife and saying, tell the kids I love them, Um, imagining the worst was about to happen, but also having the presence of mind to realize uh, that the people on the other side of that door thought they were in the right. They thought they were the ones, especially the vets on the other side of that door. They thought they were the ones supporting and defending the constitution. That's where the name of the film comes against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Uh, And that's the real, that's the real question we highlight in the film. How did people on the other side of that barricade arrive at this point where they really feel like they are defending the constitution against all enemies? We have a theory and it, it points directly to, to the big lie and people like Trump and Greitens and Vance and Flynn and, and, and others who, who instigate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is and this is, I think, the the best thing about the documentary is that there is a there is a sense of empathy, not sympathy, but empathy with understanding how these, you know, former military members, former cops got there. And that's I you know, that is what the best documentaries do. Uh, Let's talk about the business of documentaries a little bit, because I'm 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 super fascinated. So uh, you guys uh, premiered the movie at Tribeca. Um, which is uh, a very prestigious film festival. We had Kara Samano from Tribeca Film Fest uh, on a couple weeks ago. Um, and it got a it got a very good reception, right? You guys did uh, pretty well in terms of attracting audiences and interest.
1: Yeah, we did great. I think people must have been sneaking into the premiere because uh, they were literally standing on the sides of the theater. So packed house on opening night. They gave us two more theaters. That's always a great sign. And the re- reviews have been overwhelmingly positive uh for you know a kid from ohio who's never made a movie before it was quite a, quite an experience we we pulled up to the theater i saw the red carpet out front and i i asked um my wife gosh who who is that for i wonder who's here and <laughs> it was for us yeah. so it was pretty cool
0: well you you uh you before the show started we were talking a little bit you said that this was kind of a uh, a real crash course in the business what what did you learn uh while you were making this and uh getting it put together and getting it ready to premiere
1: i learned a lot i i learned that making a film like this is only half the battle um a lot of the work happens after you've delivered the final cut and you need to find the right partner to get it out into the world you need to find the right ways to to get it to the audience that that you want to see it. That's all been a fun challenge, I'll have to say. At, at no point in the making of this film was I pulling my hair out. It, it's been it's been a heck of a ride. But the business of documentary filmmaking is, uh you know, it, it's its own world. There's the creative side, and then there's the business side, and you, you kind of have to navigate both.
0: Well, let me, let's talk a little bit about the funding, because I mean, this is not a this was this does not look like a cheap uh production i the 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 quality is is very good uh with the interviews and the the title credits I, like it all looks really really nice um how did you guys uh cobble together the funding for this were there, were there grants what what were your, where where did you guys get the money
1: yeah about half grants half investors and it, it, it i guess is reassuring in a way that there are still a lot of people out there who care deeply about issues like this who care deeply about defending democracy and are willing to put their, their money where their, um, where their values lie. And we honestly didn't have that difficult of a time raising the funds to, to support the movie. And, you know, hopefully at this point, we just find the right partner to get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible.
0: And you guys do. Uh, you you are in talks with some folks. To we, I won't ask you to reveal any specifics here. You know I know negotiations <laughs> are ongoing, but you guys are you guys are talking to a few uh, distributors. Yeah,
1: we are. We are. Uh, and huge credit to Tribeca for showcasing the film and the way it did for getting us in in front of the right people to. To help us tell the story and we're we're on to the next lily pad which is talking to those distributors and figuring out the best partner and and the best deal i think the lily pad analogy is pretty good because there's you know probably dozens of them between (laughs) the idea and reaching the audience but we're we're on the last stages of that
0: yeah uh well, what were what were some of the other lily pads before this? I mean, it, like obviously this starts somebody you know you sit up in the middle of the, the night you're like I got to do this documentary, uh, or you know however it works. What what were walk us through each of those lily pads to get to where we are right now?
1: Sure, uh, I mean the first thing is finding the right talent, meaning creative talent to help you to help you put together a compelling story, and you know a director gets a lot of credit the the folks behind the camera uh, get get credit as well probably not as much as they deserve the the writers and and such but finding the right archivists for example something i never considered going into this but if you're going to tell a story that requires you to dive deep into the archives into the historical record uh you you've got to find talented people who can literally go to the rice university archives and pull film on tape of of lewis beam the character i mentioned earlier who came back from from vietnam and was radicalized you have to find people who are really good at that kind of thing in order to help you tell the story the the way you want to that's just one small lily pad in the creative process in the in the business side of things you have to find that balance between uh, grants and and investments you have to convince the the festival judges that you're making a film that is is not only well done but is important is relevant to the moment i mean it's probably something you appreciate but the 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 film circuit the film festival world sometimes has has a different lens through which it sees current events, and you know coming from a political background, I felt the urgency of this every day that I was making the film, conveying that to decision makers in in the film world was another one of those lily pads. I think a lot more people are on board now seeing what's happening in the republican primary, but you know just another example of of trying to make those connections and a convincing argument for the business case of a film
0: yeah and uh you, of course you you mentioned the talent uh getting a talent on board this is uh Char- is it charlie Sadoff? off how do i uh, charlie Sadoff is the Sadof, director
1: yeah. um uh, first his first extraordinary talent
0: his first uh directorial effort yeah
1: that first major directorial yeah directorial debut a lot of um a lot of other credits to his name uh but you know this is the big one
0: yeah, um, and then uh, of course uh, Sebastian Junger, uh, who uh, best-selling author, um, uh, the, I, I, the director, I believe of Restrepo and a bunch of uh, um, uh, other good stuff about Afghanistan and, and elsewhere, uh, is is on board as an EP. What was his involvement with the uh, with the film?
1: Yeah, well, Sebastian co-wrote it with me. Yeah. Um So that voiceover is is Sebastian and and me. Oh, it and, is. I I
0: was Charlie. trying to figure. I was trying to place the the voice there. And oh it, no, it,
1: yeah. the voiceover script is, oh, okay. uh-huh.
0: is Sebastian and me. Okay.
1: The voice you'll recognize because it's Peter Coyote who does all Ken Burns's films. Yes. So. <laughs> I see. That's why I
0: was like, I was God. I know. I recognize that that voice from somewhere. But uh, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I look, the the documentary uh you can you can actually watch it uh virtually the Tribeca Virtual Film Fest if you want to um get a sneak peek before it's on uh you know one of the the big streaming channels. Uh, uh it's always good to support the festival um which is supporting uh films like this. Uh so check that out, check it, just google it. You can just google against all enemies Tribeca you'll you'll be able to find it. Um uh but it's uh Again, it's a, it's important to support the festivals and important to support the films and uh, the people who make them. Um, that was pretty much everything I wanted to ask. Was uh, what what did I forget to ask? What 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 have I failed to ask? What should uh, folks know either about the documentary <laughs> or uh, the the world of uh, uh, militias? I, what what do you think? people should
1: know about well, well about the documentary first of all you asked everything best interview i've ever done great job saying <laughs> um yeah,
0: thank you <laughs> so that's what that's the proper response though but right. no that was... <laughs> um
1: it's i think important for people to understand the place this film is coming from and just about everybody in, involved with it has a connection To the military or to veterans, they they deeply care. Charlie is from a military family. I'm a military vet. You know, we have another EP uh, who's a a a Navy SEAL. Sebastian Younger, of course, deployed multiple times as an embed with the with the military, with the Marine Corps. Restrepo and Corongal being you know his his proof of that. Those films, but if if we're being tough on some veterans who have strayed it's because we care we we love the community uh we want to we want to address a real issue in in the veterans community and it comes from a place of real concern both for the country and what this violent movement portends and for those who have been wrapped up in it
0: yeah i i want to i just want to uh emphasize that for a moment because very early on in the the film uh one of your uh, uh Michael Breen who co-wrote a piece with you in the um the Bulwark here uh this this uh, it's up on it went it went up on Wednesday uh um but he you know very very early on says look we're uh we we don't need to be afraid of our veterans we don't need to be afraid of all of our veterans there's you know this is not um It's not like 100 percent of them are coming home and and but there there is a disproportionate number here and trying to redirect that energy uh, is is important. Um, What were some of there? there are some organizations towards the end of the film uh, that you guys talked about a little bit uh, that that can help with that. Can we can you talk a little bit more about them here just to give give people some some ideas on organizations that can help?
1: Yeah, I'll absolutely share that. I mean, we have a couple of impact partners with the films. Uh, with the film, we have Veterans for Responsible Leadership, uh, which which seeks to hold veterans uh, who are, are are propagating things like the big lie to account, the, the J.D. Vances of the world. It's hard to believe he was a, a U.S. Marine. Uh, there's New Politics, which helps veterans uh, and other service alumni say peace corps or teach for america enter politics and take that spirit of service to to washington and then there are groups that i think can help address the the rank and file issue like team rubicon who can help reintegrate veterans by the tens of thousands into civilian life. I think team Rubicon has well over a hundred thousand veteran volunteers now who are deploying to disasters literally around the world, using their skills and experience to do good organizations like that can, can help address uh, a lot of, of what, what ails us here. Yeah.
0: Uh, Ken, thank you very much for being on the show. Again, the name of the documentary is Against All Enemies. Uh, hopefully it will be coming soon to a streaming platform near you. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, again, you can you can check it out at the Tribeca website. Um, my name is Sonny Bunch. I'm culture editor at The Bulwark, uh, and I will be back next week with another episode of The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. We'll see you guys then.